Or is that okay? You know what that means? We've got to pay attention. And so not that you don't usually, but we've been softened up by notes sometimes, and when it's times where we just have a blank sheet of paper, it does cause us to focus in a little bit more. So the name of the teaching today is Dare to be Different, Set Apart as Unique. And uh, the teaching is actually going to be about something called the blessing. Now, we, uh, we talk about, you know, when we say the gr- grace at a mealtime, that's a blessing. When you speak a blessing over people. And so within Christianity, there's a lot of different terminology or understandings when it comes to the word blessing. But the area that I want to talk about today is actually the blessing that has been endowed upon us through the blood covenant through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was dead, buried, rose again, and that initiating of that covenant, that covenant cut in his blood, all of the ramifications, all of the effects, all of the kingdom dynamics that have been instituted through that act of grace, all of what belongs to us could be summed up in the phrase, the blessing. And so we're going to talk about that today and see what it actually entails and give you a little uh, example from the life of Joseph of how that blessing uh, actually operates. If you'll take a look at John 17, verse 14, Jesus is speaking, and he said to them, he said, I have given them, he's talking about his followers, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Everybody say that with me. I am not of the world. And he says, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now, if you look at the message translation, it says, he says, I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it, because they didn't join the world's ways. Did you know that it's very true today? They despise the word of God because the world looks at it as a limiting factor. You can't have any fun. You can't do this. How many people have you ever met when you talk about something and you might say, you know, I really don't want to do that or I really don't want to go see that or I don't want to be involved in that. And they'll say, oh, your religion doesn't allow that. You ever heard that before? You can't do this because, oh, your religion won't let you do that. No, it's not that the religion won't let us do it. It's because we've been regenerated. We're born again, and we're a new creation that never existed before. The old person is dead, and we're alive in Christ. And that regeneration process, that act of being born again, the very reason that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us with our spirit causes us to live differently. And I'll tell you what, I'm not planning on joining in with the world. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, burned the t-shirt because I didn't want it, (laughs) and I've moved on, and so have you. Now, if you look at John 17, 16, he repeats this again, and he says, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And again, in the message translation of verse 16, it says, They are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Now, 
If we look in the dictionary and get a dictionary definition of that word defined, it will help us understand what this is talking about. And the dictionary definition of defined would be marked by its boundaries. So let's reread that and insert this understanding. They are no more marked by the boundaries of the world than I am defined by the boundaries of the world. Whoo, does that open it up for you a little bit? What is this saying? Jesus is saying right here that my followers, my disciples, my people have the right to live the same type of life that I am living in this world. They are just like I am. Do you look at yourself when you think about being a Christian? Do you look at yourself in that light? Or do you look at yourself in a religious viewpoint? We need to become, uh, we need to become like-minded as the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to take on the mind of Christ and begin to think and do and act the same way that he did when he was on the earth. When you actually understand it, Jesus, when he was upon the earth, set aside his God powers. Still God set his God powers aside, and he lived as a human being anointed of the Holy Spirit. Hey, isn't that what we are in life today? We, are you a human being? I hope so. I don't see any other species here. I think we're all human. So what are we doing? We live an, a life anointed by the Holy Spirit in this world. We who follow Jesus are not marked by the boundaries of this world. We don't have the world's limitations, the world's restrictions. We don't have the same thing that holds the world back in our lives. We should not allow circumstances of life to hold us down or hold us back. Turn to one of your neighbors and tell them and just say this, say, I'm different from the world. Now turn to your other neighbor and say this, say, I'm not even normal. <laughs> Did anybody tell you that they already knew that? <laughs> I thought, I already thought that. No, we're not normal. See, when you look at what Jesus was talking about here, he was talking about the world. So what's normal to the world should not be normal to us. See, we're a different classification of being. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that we are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we are a new creation in Christ. A creation that hasn't existed before. We lived one way, and then we become born again, and we're filled with the Spirit, and we're one with Christ. So all of a sudden, we are a supernatural human being. That doesn't give any place for pride or arrogance to come into our life, but it should remind us that we are not normal in the world's eyes. Did you know that the world doesn't pay attention to Christians who are failing? You know what the world thinks about failing Christians? Oh, it's just another religion. It's no different than, and they start naming off other religions. That Christianity, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. There's nothing to it. They're just like everybody else. There's no, there's no power there. There's no life there. But when there's a believer that stands up and begins to live the life and allows the, begins to defer to the Holy Spirit, begins to take time in worship, beginning to enter in. See, when you start to have a switch in your thinking, 
from religion to relationship. And then you begin to develop, take steps to develop in your relationship with the Lord. Then you begin to read the Word of God with the Holy Spirit. A great evangelist years ago, as I just said that, reminded me, his name was Smith Wigglesworth, and a great man of God, raised the dead, just did great things back many years ago. But he, he made a statement, he says, some people like to read their Bible in the Greek, some people like to read their Bible in the Hebrew. He said, I like to read my Bible in the Holy Ghost. And I thought, boy, isn't that it right there? It's okay to learn Greek and it's okay to learn Hebrew, but don't you ever stop reading your Bible in the Holy Ghost. That you take time with the Spirit of God and you begin to take the time to pray, to fast, to get quiet before him. Uh, years ago, the old-time Pentecostals, the old-time pillars of old, they had a saying, they would call it waiting on the Lord. That doesn't mean that they were waiting for God to answer a prayer. What it means is they would worship, they would pray in the Spirit, and then they would get quiet. And they would just not be saying anything and just get quiet before the Lord. And they would just allow the Spirit of God to well up on the inside of them and begin to speak to them. They learned how to hear the voice of the Spirit. And I think the church, to some degree, has lost that. And I'll tell you what, I haven't lost it. And I am endeavoring, the older I get, to grab on to those tools of the Spirit, to employ them into my life. And I've talked to a lot of people, and sometimes people look at me like I'm a little different. And I just told the Lord, I said, you know, I don't care how many people don't listen to the message that I bring out. When I talk to them on a one-on-one, -on -one, I says, I, I do my best to make the presentation as clear as I can. But Lord, even if the whole world that I talk to doesn't get a hold of it, I got a hold of it. And I'm moving forward, and I am living the dream, I'll tell you. And I'll tell you what, you need to get a hold of it as well. It'll change your life. 1 Peter 2.9, let's take a look at that wonderful scripture. I'm going to read it to you today in the King James Version. And it says, but ye are a chosen generation. Did you know that you're chosen? Yes. You're chosen by God. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, how can we not praise him? How can we not worship him? How can we not spend time in his presence when we realize that all we have to do is look back at our past life? Where were we before Christ? What were we involved with? The things I was involved with Drug addiction, drug dealing. Let me tell you, there's a lot of fear that is connected with that. A lot of paranoia that's connected with that. I can't, I could spend hours telling you stories of what I went through, almost having a heart attack because I was so afraid. All these things of life that dictate the world's norm to us. But then there was a day when I gave my life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as it says right here, I was transferred. He called me out of darkness and transferred me into his marvelous light, his family. How can I not worship him? How can I not give him praise and glory and honor when he has given me his all, when he has given you his all? How can I get so caught up 
with life, so busy with life that I don't have time daily to thank the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has taken away my sin. And let me tell you, I know all about my sin. You know all about your sin, don't you? And you hope nobody else finds out. (laughs) I love that scripture, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of glory, out of darkness, into his marvelous light. But did you see that word that says that you are a peculiar person? Look at that word peculiar in the dictionary. I know the world, when it says peculiar, they'll think, yeah, they're a little off. They're a little weird. They're a little different. Yeah, they're peculiar, all right? But let's see what that word actually means. It means distinctively different from the usual or the norm. Does that describe us? We are distinctively different from the world, from the norm of the world. We are unique. That word unique means that, this, that something, when you look up that word unique, it actually means having an advantage. It means something has given us an advantage. We're separate. We're unique. It also means being special. I like the Greek translation of this word, what the meaning actually is. It means purposeful acquisition. Did you know that none of you are a mistake in here? Not one. It means that because you know Christ, you were called by the Lord to know, the, to know him. You were called out by him. You were chosen by him. And it says that you are a purposeful acquisition of the Lord Jesus Christ. As believers, we are distinctively different from the rest of the world. We're unique. In other words, something on, there's something on our lives that gives us the advantage. I'd like to say this. We need to learn to take advantage of that advantage. Amen? There's something on your life as a believer that gives you an advantage. We're special. God chose us to shine through us. Why? to get the attention of the world directed onto him. We're ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there's two aspects that set us apart from the world that I want to talk about today. And one of them is the blessing, and the other one is the favor of God. The blessing and the favor of God, those two items. These two kingdom attributes can cause us to become superior to our circumstances. Are you asleep today or are you listening? I want to tell you something. This is not a message for you to sleep through. If you're starting to fall asleep, stand up. Okay, stand up. Go to the back, lean against the wall. You want to make sure you hear this because you will need this in your life. I'm going to say that again. These two kingdom attributes can cause us to be superior to our circumstances. Pay attention to that. We all have negative circumstances that come across our lives. But these two attributes can cause you to become superior to the adverse circumstances that approach you. They became available to us the day we were born again, just as God did or conferred upon Adam and Eve. Let's take a look at Genesis 1, 27 through 28. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Increase, duplicate yourselves, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. When you see the words have dominion, it's actually talking about authority and rulership, or it really means to reign in this life over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living being that moves upon the earth. Did you know this is the word of God? It's the word of God. Did you know that, did you see it there where it says, have dominion over the fish of the sea? I literally use this when I go fishing. Uh, I do it every time. I don't talk about it. I'm not loud about it, but I'll cast out into the lake. I fish with two rods, so I'll let, get one out there, get the second one out there, put them in rod holders. Then I'll go over and I'll squat down and I grab hold of my line and I put my hand into the water and very quietly I say, Father, I thank you that you gave me dominion over the fish of the sea. I thank you, Lord, that I have dominion. I thank you for the words of my mouth that are powerful. So fish, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get onto my hook and I say, I'm not talking to you little fish. Little fish, you just, you just ignore me and swim on and grow up later. I'll, I'll deal with you next year. Big fish, I command you to get on my hook. I call every big fish in this lake over to my rods right now, over to my hooks in Jesus' name. Now, you may laugh at that, but I want to tell you something. I am serious, and I actually do this. And let me tell you what happens. I catch the most fish. Out of all the guys, out of most on the lake, usually. I had one day I caught 51. And one day on our trip, I caught 50, and I was trying to break my record, but we had to get back to the condo. So I had to, had to wait till this year. So what am I trying to say? The Word of God works, and we need to take stock in the Word of God and understand that we rule and reign above circumstances that the natural people are bound by. They are the ones living in boundaries and limitations. I am not limited to what the rest of the fishermen do on the lake. And when I go to the fish cleaning station, you know what I hear? How many, how many, I hear them talking to each other. How many go, oh, I caught three today. Oh, that's good. I caught my limit. I caught five. And they're all, oh, that, you caught five. And I'm going, oh, brother. And I had one guy one day say, how many did you catch? I go, ah, 51. What, 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 what'd you say? So anyway, we're to live above the boundaries of the world. That's what I'm trying to get across to you today. Notice when it says, then God blessed them. And then it says after that, God put an empowerment upon them. So we see that the blessing and the favor of God are synonymous. They are divinely linked together, and they're supposed to work together. There's a scripture in the New Testament, Romans 8, 28, and it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. But when it says all things, we know that all things work together for good. That word in the Greek, that work together is one word in the Greek language. It's sooner gale. And it actually means this. It's the word where we get in our English vernacular, we get the word synergy. And so what it's saying is all these things work together to bring about good. You can't take one out and leave it. 
and just focus in on one aspect of the blessing. You will short-circuit the system. You will live far below what your covenant rights are. And so we're to take all of the things that God has given us, meld them together, learn how to function in them, and getting them all working together, that's what brings God's highest and his best into our life. I want to th- Let's take a look at Psalms 512. It says, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Notice what it says. It didn't say he might bless. It says he will bless. Did you know will is a very strong word? It's a definite word. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Who are the righteous? We are, those who know Christ. For the, you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with what? With favor. You will surround him as with a shield. You are, so I want to say this today. You need to wake up every morning and realize, no matter what you've encountered, no matter what somebody has said to you, no matter how ugly people have been to you, no matter if you've been laid off, no matter if you've got a bad report from the doctor, no matter what your bank account says, you need to wake up every morning and you need to lift your hands to the Lord and begin to worship the Lord and you need to say, Father, I thank you that you are blessing me because I am the righteous. I thank you, Lord, that I am surrounded about today with your favor like a shield. Doesn't matter where I go, doesn't matter who comes across my path, I'm surrounded with favor like a shield. Let's talk, look at Genesis 12, 2, talking about Abraham. The Lord said to him, said, I will make you a great nation. And listen to what he said. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. The Lord is saying that to us today. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, through being one with him, I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. Let's take a look at what that says in the Amplified Version. It says, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, listen to this, with abundant increase of favors. Isn't that good? Well, see, we need to change our stinking thinking from the world's mentality into what the Word of God is actually telling us. We need to dare to step out to actually stand upon this word, actually begin to think this word, to change our speaking over to the word of God, our expectancy should rise to what the word of God is saying. Notice here that blessing and favor are divinely linked together. I want to say this, you can't have one without the other. Let this become a revelation to you today, and I pray that you're not hearing this as just another sermon. I hope you're hearing it as life. Expect the favor of God and acknowledge it. In other words, when you have a blessing take place in your life, then say this, that's the favor of God right there. That's what that is. Because the Bible tells us in in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Did you know that? And then it says, those who love it will eat its fruit. So when I hear somebody that's talking to me about they're in these terrible situations, you know what I, how I minister to them? I say, could it be that maybe your mouth put you there? See, I start ministering to people because I hear how they talk when I'm ministering to them. I hear the thing, so I start trying to correct them to help them get their speech lined up with the Word of God. Because if you're believing the Word, but you're saying something contrary, you're out of balance. 
And the word says that you're going to have the fruit of your mouth come into product or fruition in your life. I was at the, uh, I'm thinking about when I was at a grocery store. Now, even in the littlest things, you can do this. At a grocery store, have you ever been to the grocery store when you're in a hurry? And what happens? It's like everybody else is at the grocery store because they're in a hurry too. It's like, where, I didn't know there were this many people in Temple City. Why are they all here? And all of a sudden, I just go in to get some jalapenos or, or get some tomatoes or something and to run through, and I get in the line, and it's like all the check stands are open except for one, and there's like 10, 15 people. Sometimes the lines are wrapped around, and I'm like, ah. Oh. And yesterday I was there, and they had a trainee checker. Oh, my Lord, help deliver me. And uh, so I'm in the line, I'm waiting, and I'm in a hurry, and then all of a sudden, a, a lady comes, a grocery store worker comes over, taps me on the shoulder and says, come with me. And other people start to follow. And, they go, and she goes, no, just him. Takes me through a line and checks me out and puts the clothes sign up and walks away. You know what I said? Now that's the favor of God right there. And why do I do that? I know these things happen to you. They happen, they happen to believers. But when they happen, acknowledge it as the favor of God. Because the more you become favor-minded, the more you begin to speak it out and expect it, the more the favor of God will begin to act and function in your life. Do you want more manifestation of favor in your life? I do. So what am I doing? I'm training myself to think favor thoughts. I'm training myself to speak favor words. I'm training myself whenever these things happen to say, now that's the favor of God right there. Why is it? Because I'm acknowledging that the blessing of God is on my life. I'm acknowledging that I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. I'm acknowledging that I am above the norm of the world, and I function in a different sphere, you could say, or arena, because I function with the Spirit of God in my life. Is this hitting home with you? The blessing is empowerment for success and to prosper. If you do a word study on the blessing in the Hebrew and in the Greek, this is what you're going to come up with. It's the empowerment for success and to prosper. And favor is the opportunity to make it happen, which produces opportunities. Let's take a look at the story of Joseph. Let me bring you up to speed with Joseph. Joseph was a young man who had a dream, had a dream that was from God. Actually, he saw his brothers, he saw his father all bowing down to him, okay? And that's all he understood about the dream, but he knew it was from God. So he goes out and he tells his dream to his brothers and his father, and his brothers hated him because of the dream. You know what that tells me? When you get a dream from the Lord, shh! <laughs> you can't tell that dream to everybody, Okay? And I've had a lot of visions and dreams. You know what I do? Some of them I tell the Keiko, some of them I don't. Some of them I wait on. And so I wait for the Lord to say if I need to share them or not. People won't agree with the dream, and you don't want naysayers coming around trying to discourage you from what God has said. So he has this dream, tells his brothers. The brothers hate him. What do they do? They take him, and they put him into a pit. And then they are going to kill him. And then they, all of a sudden, they see Ishmaelite traders coming along. So then they get this idea that, hey, let's just let's sell him. 
Let's sell him to these guys. Uh, they'll get rid of him. He's gone. We'll take his coat of many colors. We'll put some blood on it, and we'll take it back to our father. And they made this big story up that an animal tore Joseph apart, and he is no more. And so they come up with this great plan, sell Joseph to the Ishmaelite traders. They get 20 pieces of silver. Oh, we're rich. Woo-hoo. And all of a sudden, Joseph gets sold into captivity into Egypt, and he gets sold to a man by the name of Potiphar. So you can look, upon, you could look at Joseph's life, and you can say, wait a minute, Pastor Dan, you're talking about the blessing of God. I'm looking at Joseph's life, and it does not look like the blessing is in operation. Yes, he got this dream from God. That was the blessing of God. But then you look what happened to the man. He sold into slavery to Potiphar. How is the blessing not working? You need to write this down. The blessing won't exempt you from adversity. I don't know where the church gets this idea that just because you become born again, just because you become a Christian, your life's going to be easy breezy and you're not going to have any more problems in your life. Jesus did not say that. Jesus said that persecution comes because of the word's sake. So the blessing won't exempt you from adversity. But it will exempt you from being defeated by adversity. Did you get that? It won't keep you from adversity, but it will keep you from being defeated by adversity. What am I saying? When you're in the middle of adversity... You need to keep in mind that you're going through to the other side and you're coming out in victory and you're going to come out with a preaching story. You're going to come out with a testimony that's going to help other people go through these trials and situations. Did you know you don't have a testimony without going through a test? Okay, just so you know that. It's even in the word test, testimony. Yeah. Genesis 13:2 says that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, that, that right there, the Lord was with Joseph. When you see that phrase in the Bible, the Lord was with, you need to pay attention. Because when you see that phrase, it literally means this. What is going to follow is going to speak about the blessing and favor that's connected with the blessing. Uh, an example that I might give you is one of Isaac. It said the Lord was with Isaac. And it says that he sowed seed in time of famine. There was a great famine in the land. What were other people doing? Nobody's sowing seed. Nobody's farming. Nobody's growing any crops. Why? Because if you put your seed in a dry, fallow, in a dry ground where there's no rain, what, you're just throwing your seed away. When you could take the seed, you could grind it into meal, flour, and you could produce cakes and you could produce grain, uh, different things, or you could eat your seed, right? Makes sense. You don't want to die. What did Isaac do? He did completely the opposite, and he sowed the ground in time of famine. And if you read the rest of that chapter, it says, and Isaac reaped 100-fold. When? In time of famine, when other people thought it was foolish, the norm of the world, thought it was foolish. What's this foolish farmer Isaac doing? He's crazy. There's no rain. And he sows into the ground in time of famine, and he reaps a hundredfold. The other people 
at the, end of the, at the end of the day, at the end of the harvest, are looking at that and thinking, do you think that got their attention? What, what was that that made that happen? It was the blessing that was upon him. And favor, blessing gave opportunity for favor to produce. Look at Genesis 39, 2 and 3. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Notice that prosperity is not what you have but prosperity is actually a state of being or we could say a mindset of faith because of the blessing. See, your problem is not the devil. Your problem is not your circumstances. Do you know what your problem really actually is? Right here. It's your mind. Henry Ford said something that, uh, I love quotes of famous people, and Henry Ford said this, he said, whether a, man, whether a man believes that he can or that he can't, he's right. Whether a man believes he can or he can't, he's right. And so this will stop you every time, or this will open up the door for the blessing to flow. Look at uh, Genesis 39.3 in the Amplified. It says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that, he, and that the Lord made all that he had to flourish and succeed in his hand. The blessing is an operation. I was thinking about uh, Abraham and Lot, if you know that story. And the two of them were together. Two, the blessing of God was on both families. They grew very prosperous, many servants, uh, many herds, huge herds. And the land that they were in was too, could not contain both uh, families. Because you know that when you have a lot of cattle or sheep, uh, they eat a lot of grass and they need a lot of water. So it just became so huge that the land could not support both of them. So Abraham turns to his nephew Lot and he said, you pick, you decide. We've got to separate from each other. You pick the area you want and you can have that and I will go in a different direction. Now, that's faith to do that right there. Well, what do you think Lot did? He looked around. He saw the lush fields, the green pastures, which actually was Sodom and Gomorrah. And all of a sudden, he says, this here looks good to me, uncle. I'll take this. And so what did Abraham turns around, packs up, and where does he go? He heads out into the desert, the dry, barren desert. But you know what happened to that desert? It began to flourish. Here's the lesson in this. We should flourish in the driest and most barren places in life. Why? Because you've got the blessing of God upon you, that's why. And you've got favor. And so wherever anybody puts you, wherever the devil tries to lead you into, wherever you get stuck at is the very place that you should allow the blessing to happen and turn that whole situation around into something that is awesome. Genesis 39.3 in the message says, His master recognized that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything that he did. Can you imagine Potiphar? He's got all these slaves. And all of a sudden, and he's had slaves for years. 
And all of a sudden, he sees this one guy that's functioning on a whole different plane. And he says, catches Potiphar's eye, and he goes, this man's got something different. There's something on him. There's something different about him. Everything he touches changes. Everything he touches flourishes. And Potiphar is amazed. Potiphar actually is saying, a slave can do this? Saw that there was supernatural favor. The blessing favor is an attention getter for the glory of God. Did you know that? You need to understand wherever you go, the blessing of God that is upon your life is an attention getter for the glory of God. Let's look at verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made Joseph overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under Joseph's authority. The message translation of verse 4 says, he became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all of his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. Can you imagine? Here's Joseph living in the slaves' camp, wherever they lived, with all the other slaves, all of a sudden gets called out of there, gets better living quarters, and gets put as first, second in command in Potiphar's home. Becomes his personal aid, favor. The ability for empowerment to prosper was the blessing upon his life and favor produced or provided an opportunity for promotion. The blessing was already there, but it was favor that provided the opportunity for promotion. I want to say this to you. Don't be distracted or discouraged by the negative or adverse situations in your life. Realize that the blessing of God is upon you. Learn to expect the favor of God to make a way in every situation. Stay focused on the Lord and his promises. And you need to adopt this mindset. In any situation you're in, any type of adversity, this is the way you need to think. It's just a matter of time. And that's one of the great lessons we see in Joseph's life. Joseph kept his attitude right. He stayed in faith based upon that dream that he had years ago. He didn't have the word of God, but he did have a dream of a destiny that God was leading him into, and he kept that dream alive. Your attitude determines your altitude in life. Your attitude will determine your altitude in life. He believed the dream. He believed the blessing was on him. He believed in the favor of God. Genesis 39, 5 and 6. So it was from the beginning of, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Can you imagine? Here the blessing of God is upon Joseph's life. And all of a sudden, Joseph gets put into this command position where he's second in command in of, all of, Joseph's, of all of Potiphar's affairs. And all of a sudden, pot, all, everything that Potiphar has begins to flourish. So the blessing that was on Joseph spills over into Potiphar's house, and Potiphar starts reaping the favor of God, the blessing that's upon Joseph's life. 
And it says, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. You know what this is telling me? He had the only concern that Potiphar now had in his life. Are you ready for this? Is what's for breakfast? <laughs> hey, what are we having for lunch? Uh, I wonder what what's, we're going to have for dinner tonight. That's all that Potiphar is concerned about all of a sudden. Why? Because Joseph, who's got the blessing upon him and the favor of God upon him, is running everything and it's all the wisdom of God that is manifesting. So we see the blessing overflowed into Potiphar's house and his belongings. Things were looking up for Joseph. All of a sudden, he's out of the slaves' quarters. He's into this good part of the house. He's, he's, he's Potiphar's personal aide. Hey, promotion. He's doing quite well. And then all of a sudden, Mrs. Potiphar starts looking over at Joseph, and she starts thinking, young man looks pretty good. I think I'd like to have a little time with him when my husband is out on a business trip. So she starts to seduce him. Joseph won't have anything to do with it. And so she takes hold of him. He hightails it, leaves his cloak behind. And then all of a sudden she, she yells out that it's reversed, that he tried to seduce her. Here's what happened there. Men and women, you need to listen to this. The blessing is attractive. The blessing is attractive and it's designed that way so that when favor and prosperity begins to happen in your life, people from in the world who live in the realm of the senses will see what's happening in your life and it will become attractive to them and they will come to you and say, what are you doing? I want to know. And it will open the door for the sharing of the gospel. However, they will actually see something upon you oftentimes, and they won't know what it is. I remember years ago I was in a CVS, and I was in line, and uh, I looked over to my left, and there was a girl over by the candy bar section there, about 16 years old, and she turned over and looked at me, and I noticed somebody was staring at me, so I looked over at her, and she gave me this big old hello smile. Hey, how you doing? And she kind of flashing her eyes at me, and she's looking at me and got a big grin. And I'm sitting there, and I'm going, do I have something on my nose, or is my flying done, or, you know, and I'm, I'm checking all this stuff out, and I look back over, and she's still grinning at me and looking at me like, hello. And I'm thinking to myself, do you know I could be your grandfather? I'm old enough to be your grandpa. And I'm like, my Lord, what is this young girl doing? So I, I couldn't, I'm like, Lord, this lady, this woman's making me feel very uncomfortable and everything. And so I paid for my stuff, got out of there. And she just kept checking me out. So I got into the car and I said, Lord, what was that all about? And he goes, wasn't you, son? Oh, thanks. It made me feel really good. Uh, you know, he says, no, he says, it wasn't you. And he says, the church needs to understand this when they begin to walk in the blessing. He says, what that was is she saw the blessing upon you. She saw the glory upon you, and she's never seen that before. And it's different from the norm of the world, and she didn't know what it was all about. 
and she thought it was you, and she was checking you out. He says, but she was actually checking me out. She was seeing my glory. She was seeing my presence. And I want to say this, men and women, when you start walking in this and people start looking at you, it's easy for the devil to come across your mind right then and say, it's all you. And men, then you start sucking your stomach in and you start strutting your stuff. (laughs) Yeah, mama. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah, no, it's not you. Okay, so you got to get this right now. It's not you. Praise God. Did you get that? It's not you? Okay, I'm just checking you out right there. Woo. The blessing is attractive, and it can be mishandled, and it has been mishandled in the past. Well, Joseph at this point, she basically says he's seducing her and everything. What happens to Joseph? He goes from this high place that he's been promoted to, and he gets thrown into prison. All of a sudden, he's back in the pit again. It would have been so easy for Joseph at this point to say, Lord, I'm so tired. This has been going on for so long. First the dream, then the pit, then sold to the Ishmaelites, then I'm just property, and I'm sold to Potiphar in Egypt. The blessing begins to operate because I remembered the dream, and then all of a sudden I'm promoted, and things are going great, and then this happens? It's not my fault. I didn't do anything. And now I'm put in prison again? It would have been so easy for him to begin to feel sorry for himself. Think about this for a minute. Joseph was not born again. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. Joseph did not have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him like we do today. The empowerment that we have of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have that. What did Joseph have? A dream. He had a dream. And even in prison... You know what he does? Holds on to the dream. Here's what Joseph understood. Setbacks are never final. Actually, you need to learn this. Setbacks can become a stepping stone to a major victory. And this is exactly what happened in Joseph's life. When it appears like it's not working, avoid murmuring And avoid complaining because murmuring and complaining will lead you down a path to unbelief. And when you get into that place of unbelief, you stop the anointing, you stop the miraculous power, you stop the blessing and the operation of favor in your life. Let's look at Genesis 39, 21 through 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. All of a sudden, what's happening? This whole process is starting to happen again. You take this man and throw him into a pit, boom! He becomes the the slave of, of, of a very prosperous man, and he becomes his personal aid. You take this man and you throw him into prison, and boom! The, the blessing begins to operate again. Favor begins to operate. And he gets favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand All the prisoners who were in the prison, whatever they did there, it was Joseph's doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it. 
to prosper. So let's talk about the warden right now. What was the warden's only concern because of Joseph being in the prison? The only concern the warden had was, huh, I wonder what's for breakfast. I wonder what we're having for lunch. Hmm, I wonder what they're going to make for dinner. It's happening all over again. So the blessing was upon Joseph, and he rose above. Favor gave him the advantage. Favor was producing an opportunity. Why? Because Joseph was single-minded. He stayed focused on the blessing, stayed focused on the promise, stayed focused on the dream. Now, while he's in prison, Pharaoh has a dream. And no one can interpret the dream except for one person. And that person is Joseph. So think about it for a moment. Joseph could have got thrown into that prison. Well, see, when Joseph went into the prison, that was God's plan. All along. It looked like it wasn't working. It looked like the blessing wasn't functioning. But all along, it was functioning perfectly according to the plan of God. Because God knew that Pharaoh was going to get a dream. And God knew there was only one person who could interpret that dream, and that was the man who was now in prison. He not only interpreted the dream for Pharaoh, but the wisdom of God came upon him, and he presented a wise plan to how to store up grain because of the famine years that were coming upon Egypt. So he not only saved the nation of Egypt from destruction, but he also saved the nation of Israel from destruction. And actually, it's reversed. God's plan was to save the nation of Israel, and the nation of Egypt got the overflow of the blessing, which saved them as well. I'm going to say it again. When it appears like it's not working, avoid murmuring. Lift your hands in praise and begin to worship God for his all-wise plan that he's enacting. The Pharaoh, then Pharaoh in verse 39 and 41 in Genesis 41, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there was no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word only in regard to the throne Will I be greater than you? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. So what happened to Joseph? He becomes second in command of all of Egypt, the, the biggest, most powerful nation of the world at that time. So what was Pharaoh's concern? What are we having for breakfast? I wonder what we're having for lunch. Hey, do you know what we're having for dinner tonight? Praise God. Do you see a pattern there? The blessing of God will cause even a slave, even what the world calls insignificant, unimportant. Did you know there's a scripture in the Bible that said that God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise? Did you know that? I've heard people say, well, I feel really foolish. Praise God, you're a candidate. Man, you're there. You're in the blessing right there. So if you feel foolish, you feel insignificant, you ought to lift your hands in praise and say to the Lord, thank God the blessing's upon me. Thank God that you've got a plan for my life. 
favor provided an opportunity for the blessing, God was working behind the scene all of the time. And you need to understand, don't allow the circumstances of life, don't allow the devil to speak to your mind and tell you that God has forgotten about you, to tell you that you are insignificant, to tell you that it's not happening, it's not working. What you need to do when you start hearing those thoughts, I answer the devil every time. I, I, heard some, I told this to some lady at a bookstore one time, and she says, oh, I don't talk to the devil. And I said, well, maybe that's your problem. <laughs> He's talking to you, I guarantee it. And I said, you better answer him back. And I said, when this kind of stuff comes to me, you know what I tell the devil? I said, well, devil, you're a liar. Let me tell you who I am. I'm God's favorite. That's who I am. And the blessing is upon my life and favor is upon my life. I'm a faith man. I'm a word man. That's who I am. I'm anointed of the Holy Spirit. I'm a tongue talker. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm washed in the blood. And all of this book, all of this Bible belongs to me. Even the maps are mine. That's right. Then I tell them to hit the road. <laughs> but I make them listen to that stuff first. Here's what you, I'm closing right now, really, honest. Here's what you need to hear. You need to write this down. Sometimes the pit is the quickest way to the palace. Because God is working behind the scenes. Don't you ever forget that. Your mind will tell you it's not happening. Your senses will tell you it's not happening. The devil will absolutely tell you it's not happening. I like this one that the devil said. Has the devil ever said this to your mind? What are you going to do now? You ever heard that? Oh, that's just like one of his favorite things. What are you going to do now? You know what I say to him? I'm going to believe God. That's what I'm going to do now. I said, now get out of here. What are you going to do now? Yeah, I don't put up with the devil. Get out of here. Think of this. For 17 to 19 years, Joseph went through this process. From the young man of getting the dream, getting the promise of God, until he became second in command in, in, in Egypt, it was 17 to 19 years. I know people who can't even last 17 minutes. I know some Christians that say, oh, I've been going through this all day. I'm going to quit. Are you kidding? You've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Joseph didn't have that. You've got the word of God. And I don't make light of that because I will always do everything I can in my power to help somebody come into victory. I'll take as much time as it takes one-on-one -on -one to help somebody get a hold of this. But you've got to start taking time in your life on a daily basis to get away from religiosity and move into relationship. You've got to start a steady diet of the word, a steady diet of worshiping God, and a steady diet of getting quiet before the Lord and allowing the Lord to speak to you. Did you know that if we do all the talking, you're not going to learn anything? Part of our problem is when we go into prayer, we spend an hour, 45 minutes, or a half hour, 50, and we tell God all about the problems that he already knows. We didn't teach him anything. But if we will worship him and then get quiet and allow him to minister to us, he will teach you everything. 
Amen? Amen. Praise God. Joseph's dream became a reality, and Israel and Egypt were saved through famine. Know this, the blessing is never diminished by your circumstances. It is only diminished by your lack of faith. People don't like to hear that in the church today. Did you just put condemnation on those people and tell them it's their lack of faith? Well, can I say it this way? It's your lack of belief, your lack of understanding, your lack of knowing, your lack of spending time with God. It's all of the above. So the, but understand this. The blessing is never diminished by circumstances. It's never diminished by the devil. Did you know he's just not strong enough? Did you know that the devil's defeated? Did you know that the devil's under your feet? Have you ever read Luke 10, 19, and 20? What Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you the authority to trample. He didn't say tiptoe. He said to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all, not some, but all the power of the enemy. And then in verse 20, he says, Do not rejoice in this, but... He says that these spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But, did, but don't lose sight of that little phrase right there, that the spirits are subject unto you. When I hear Christians talking about curses, oh, there's some witches over in this town and they're putting curses on us. And I go, let them knock themselves out. What is that? I, when presidential race was happening, I got emails. Oh, there's witch covens all over the place that are praying against this and praying against that. And I'm like, and? And they all thought I was a crazy pastor when I said, you don't understand. There's power. I said, oh, the power, that, the power that the enemy has is the power that you just gave him. Because the power is in your mind. And when that happens, he has access to that. But I know what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that a curse that is given will not alight. It will not alight where it's not deserved. And so you can knock yourself out and curse me all day long if you want to. All you're going to do is waste a bunch of words and get cotton mouth. Because I know who I am in Christ, and I know that the devil's defeated, and I know he's under my feet. And when the church gets a hold of this and starts understanding this and taking their rightful place, then they'll begin to walk in the blessings and the power of God, and that blessing will open up a door for the favor of God to work in your life and provide opportunity for promotion in your life. If you will live in that, and when you live in the arena of praise and worship, then that keeps you in the place of humility. Praise and worship is a self-correcting mechanism that God has given to the church. Amen? Praise God. We're going to end right there. Let's pray. Father, we give you praise and we thank you, Lord, for your word given to us today. We thank you, Lord, for who you are to us, for the blessing that you have bestowed upon us, for favor that has been given to us. Oh, we thank you. We are a wealthy people. We are not normal. We are not of the world. We are a supernatural class of beings anointed by your spirit. Lord, and we thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that we have a purpose in this life to touch this world for the Lord Jesus Christ, to reflect the glory, the grace of God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
God bless you. We will see you Wednesday.